Oh, good morning, everyone. Uh, what, what an encouraging time we've, we've had together this morning already. I just, I just love it when different people share and you hear that God has been putting the same thing upon their hearts uh, and that God is working the, the same thing among us as a church. So last week, Mike started our new sermon series on worship. Uh, and he starts off by looking at who and what do we worship. And he really helpfully laid a foundation for us that worship ultimately comes from the heart in response to who God is. And in, in doing this, he looks at Matthew 15, which actually says, if worship does not come from the heart, it is in vain. Okay, so actually, if our worship is to not be in vain, it has to come from the heart. This is a really important foundation, and we're going to be building upon that in the message that I bring to us this morning. But today, we're going to be turning to John 4, verses 1 to 26. So if you can find your Bibles, it's great to, to have them in our hands. If you have got them around, to, to like, it's, it's the word of life. It's just, don't, don't just listen to it, read it as well. We want, we want to be a people that are used to having the Bible in our hands. Uh, and so pick up your Bible, go find it if it's nearby, um, and turn to John 4. So here it's the encounter with, um, that Jesus has in Samaria with the Samaritan woman at the well. And there's a specific area of this story that we're going to be, or account that we've been honing into today. And as we're going to be looking at the question, can we encounter God in worship anywhere and any time? Uh, as we do this, as we explore this, we're actually going to go deeper into our understanding of what true worship is as well. So as you're turning to John 4, verse 1 to 26, it's important that we understand a little bit of context for this passage. So it starts with Jesus saying that, uh, he's leaving to go from, uh, from Judah to Galilee. Now, this is because the Pharisees have heard that he, or rather his disciples, are baptizing more uh, people than John. And Jesus knows that actually his time has not yet come, and that if he stayed, things might progress quicker than they should do. And so he leaves, and he goes to head back to Galilee. Now, the most straightforward way to go would be straight through Samaria. But actually, most Jews would avoid going through Samaria because of the bad relationship that was there between the Jews and the Samaritans. Um, and it was such a bad relationship that actually Jews would actually pray to God that Samaritans would not have their sins forgiven and they would pray that God would ignore their prayers. So you can see that there's quite a big divide there. So actually, even though it's a lot of a long, a big, uh, much longer way around, Jews would often walk around uh, Samaria rather than go straight through it. And just an interesting thing, we're not going to really pick up on it much today, but it's an interesting thing to note is Jesus says, I had to go through Samaria. So either he was in a really, really, really big rush for some reason, or actually maybe this was a God moment. Maybe God was at work. And I think as we look at the passage, you will see that this could well be the case. Since actually this is the longest conversation in the whole of uh, John's gospel recorded with Jesus and someone else. So if John's given this much attention to it, it must be of extreme importance. Since we know that John's gospel, the purpose of it is that we may come to believe in him, in Jesus. So if we go, as I say, John 4, verse 1 to 26, it says this. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee, 
and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. Just want to pause there just for one second. Jesus was wearied. Jesus had done a journey. He needed to rest. He rested by a, by a well, a place where you can get refreshment. If you're weary, if you're tired, make sure you find time to rest. This is showing us Jesus's humanity sign. God, Jesus was fully God, fully divine, but also fully human. Okay. But also do know that God still is at work while Jesus is resting. So verse seven, a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father, Jacob? He gave us a well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come to draw water. Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands and the one you are now with is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who, sp I who speak to you am he. So I just want to pray for us. God, I thank you that your word is living and active. Lord, we recognise that we do not just live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from your mouth. Lord, by your spirit, help us to behold wondrous things in your word, in your truth this day. Help us to see you for who you are. Come move in us by your spirit. Refresh us with your living water. Lord, Come, come, draw us deeper into you and renew our minds that we may become more and more like you. Lord, have your way this morning, we pray. Amen.
So for me, when I was growing up, and um, I'm talking about mid to later teens here, maybe even early 20s, um, a major highlight of my year every year was during the summer. And it was going to the Christian Youth Festival New Day. Uh, lots of you will have heard of it. Um, some of you will have even been. And I used to love it. I used to love going with, uh, with my friends and spending time with them, getting to know people better, uh, forming great memories with them. But also I loved the preaching, uh, just hearing the truth of God. Um, and it was just so encouraging. It would build me up. Uh, and also it would challenge me. But I have to say one of my favorite bits was where the times of worship. Now, I know it's not everyone's cup of tea going to a big conference where there are thousands of people worshipping together. And you, you, could, you could almost, I think, lose the intimate side of things. Um, but for me, it was a picture of what worship is like, going to be like in heaven. Thousands of people from different places, different walks of life, praising God together with their hearts. And I found this was a place where I could be free in my worship. I learned to, to pour out my heart to God in this context. And it, it, was, it was a place where I could shout to God, I could cry, I could enjoy him. And I didn't feel like other people were watching me, but it just felt like we were there together worshipping God. And something really significant happened there. Actually, the freer I learned to be in worship, the, the more I would draw near to God, the closer he would draw near to me. And actually, I found again and again, I would just encounter the presence of God in powerful ways when I was there. I just, so often, uh, it's the cat coming along. <laughs> so often, I would, um, yeah, I'd be one of the last people to leave a meeting. I'd just be there basking, enjoying the presence of God, of my father getting to know him more. But I found myself stuck in a loop. As my cat is stuck in front of my screen. Um, what I found was actually at New Day, I'd, I'd get really passionate about God, really excited about him. And then I'd get home. And I know this happened for loads of people. I would, my, my passion for God would dwindle. And then it would almost become a thing where there were times in the year where I was a bit more consistent with it and times where I wasn't. And I loved God. I still worshipped him, but, but it just wasn't the same as it was when I was at New Day. And I'm, I'm not really sure what happened. I don't know whether this was a conscious decision or whether it was just a God moment, but actually one year after New Day, um, I can't remember what point it was, but I just decided I just worshipped God at home in my bedroom, but I gave God all my heart in that worship. I didn't hold anything back. I was as free as I could be. And many of you will know that actually it can be quite challenging sometimes worshipping God to a screen or just to, to a CD plane or something like that. But actually there was a moment of breakthrough for me in that. And actually, as I drew near to God, he drew near to me. And actually, I really powerfully encountered his presence then. And it was a place of joy and freedom. And from that moment on, this changed my life forever. I realized, actually, I could encounter God anywhere, anytime. But actually, it was about me 
drawing near to him. Me, we, we know that scripture, don't we? Draw near to me and I will draw near to you. But also the context of that scripture also talks about coming clean, coming with pure hands. It's like we're, we're pursuing purity. So Jesus has cleansed us, but we are giving ourselves to live a pure life by his spirit. But also it goes on to say, come humbly before him. And that's where it says that if we come humbly before him, he will exalt us. And actually God, God was teaching me back then that actually... I can worship him and encounter him anywhere, anytime. And as I say, this was a, a life-changing moment for me. And for so long after that, I would make time every day just to pour out my heart to God in worship. The first thing I would do is I'd put my headphones in in the morning when I woke up, put worship music on, and I would rest in bed, and I'd just be seeking God, seeking his presence, and praising him and worshiping him. Now, don't hear... What I'm not saying, I'm not saying we should be pursuing weird manifestations of God's presence or anything like that, or that we should always be pursuing manifestations of his presence. Um, and actually, I'm not saying that every single time that I've worshipped God with all my heart, I've really powerfully felt his presence. But actually, when we draw near to God truly from our heart, he does draw near to us. And actually, when I was um, planning this, this sermon, I actually came to tears remembering uh, the journey that I've been on with God. And actually, in so, in so many ways, I miss that because the truth is life once again happens. You get married or I got married. And once again, not all my time was mine as it used to be, if that makes sense. I don't mean that in a, in a wrong way because my marriage is good and I love my marriage. But actually... In married life, I had to change how I was engaging with God or change the times or make time for it. And then I had children. Once again, children can take up all your time. And I've heard so many people say to me, I don't have time to worship God because of the children take up all my spare time. And actually, what I've found is I've had to make time for it. I've had to. Um, so at the moment, my, my current practices. Um, the children wake up about seven in the morning so I get up at 20 past six in the morning and I go downstairs and I read the bible and I pray and I worship God and it's just been so fruitful um, at the moment I'm doing one of those ages ago Sam gave us one of those plans for um, reading the bible in a year but it's a tick sheet one so you can do it as you want if that makes sense so it's not pressurized um, I found another one of those and printed it off and I've just started I feel, like, I feel like I need to read through the Bible this next year, the whole Bible. I'm not usually not very good at it because I like to dwell in certain places for a long time. But actually, even just over, doing it over the last few weeks, God's just been so faithful and just been speaking to me through it. And I've just been, been enjoying it. And I've so gone away from my notes. But um, what I'm trying to say is that God is after our whole hearts. And actually, this is a journey, and it's a journey that we go on and that I've been on. And I'm, I'm not sorted. I'm not there. I've been through seasons where it feels like almost every day I'm pouring my whole heart out to God in worship, and I'm enjoying it, and I'm loving it. And I've been through times where it feels so hard and so difficult. Uh, and if I'm really honest as well, I'm, I think I find it easy to not to seek the praise of man, that's not the phrase I'm looking for, but I find it easy to be a people pleaser, I guess. Um, and so actually, I, I've, I find it really easy to think through a situation in my head. So if something's coming up 
Um, so like I had the best man speech that I had to write, write a while ago. And I can concentrate so much on having to try to make people laugh. If I say to this story, how will people respond to it? If I do this, how will people respond to this? If I do this, I can jet all these different outcomes in my head and just then worry about it. Uh, and actually, I found real freedom uh, from Psalm 139, where in that God says that he knows every one of our days. He had written them before we were even formed. And actually, he hems us in behind and before. And I, it really gave me grace that God is all knowing that anything that I have coming up, I can do in God. Nothing's a surprise to God. And actually, that brought me freedom in that. Um, So what is the point of what I've shared so far? We can encounter God anywhere, anytime, but God is after our heart. And for me, the biggest journey of that, I think, was learning to give my heart fully in places which didn't feel natural for me in worship, because we're all different. We're all engaged with God in different ways, different things. Some of us reading the Bible will be our easiest place of encountering God. Some of us, it will be sung worship. Some of us, it will be in prayer. Some of us, it will just be going out for a walk in nature and you just feel God speaking to you and warming your heart. Um, and even for me, I know in different seasons, I encounter God differently and worshiping differently in different ways. So I'm not saying there's one prescribed thing, but in all of this, if we are not worshipping God from our heart, it is in vain. In, um, so my, my page is, oh, here we go. And actually what I found was, yeah, I'd learned to worship God in situations that didn't feel natural to me. In those where I could easily switch off and be like, this feels a bit dry or I feel really tired or oh, I can't engage. Actually, I learned that actually if I just push through, if I yield to God and give him my whole heart, and that doesn't necessarily mean jumping up and down and spinning around. You could have someone sitting down in a time of worship and then be worshiping God more than someone who's dancing because it's about the heart. But God does say, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. And this truth has been my experience. It even reminds me of last year during a, a church meeting. And I think a lot of us were tired. A lot of us were worn out. And we saw in scripture, God says, if you seek me, if you ask for a fresh feeling of my spirit, I will give it to you. And that's what we did. And God did it. And the comment that summed it up afterwards was uh, someone at the end typed in the comment section saying, surprise, surprise, God says this, we did this, and he did what he said he would. And, and that's really stuck with me, but it's so true. If we come to him in faith and humble ourselves before him, God delights in drawing near to us. So let's go back to today's passage, John 4, verse 20 to 24. I'm going to read that bit again. It says this, Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. 
there's so much, even just in that small bit of the passage, and there, I'm nowhere near enough time today to, to dwell, delve into all of it. But the question is, what, what, what Samaritan women asked is, is the place of worship here on this mountain, so that is Mount Gerizim, where the Samaritans, they themselves had made a temple to worship God. So she was saying, so she, so she knew worship happens in the temple. She was saying, is it here in this temple, the Samaritan's temple, this mountain, or is it in the temple in Jerusalem where we worship God? And Jesus' answer is neither. He says, it's not about which mountain, it's not about where, it's not about in what building, but it's about whom. Now that's a slightly funny answer, isn't it, to the question. It sounds a bit strange. Where do we worship? But the answer is in whom. Um, But in chapter two of John's gospel, Jesus declares himself to be the temple of God. He says, that he is the temple and that his te- the temple will be torn down and three days later it will be brought back, it will be raised back. And Jesus here is setting the new standard for worship. He's saying that with the new covenant, when the hour, so here we see earlier on in the passage it was talking about the hour is here, the hour is coming and now it is here. Jesus is saying the time of worship is changing because my hour of being exalted, that the spirit may come and dwell in you, that you too may become temples of the living God. Jesus is the temple His body is a temple. He is a place where heaven touches earth. He is a place of true worship. It's in him. We come to him. As we know him, we may know the Father. John's gospel is very clear. If we do not know Jesus, if we do not honour Jesus, and if we do not love Jesus for who he is, we do not know, we do not honour, and we do not love God. Therefore, if we do not come in worship through Jesus, we do not come in worship at all. Luke 10 says that the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. So if we reject Jesus, if Jesus is not our access point and the center point of our worship, we reject the Father. You see, Jesus is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. No one can come to the Father except through him, except through Jesus. He is the temple, the place that we encounter and worship God. So what does it mean to be a true worshipper who worship God in spirit and truth? I think it means that we worship in our spirits that have been made alive together in Christ. So as we put our faith in Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, as we come to him acknowledging him for who he is, it says that we have a new birth, that we are born again of the Spirit. So before we could not worship God, God is Spirit, and we couldn't engage with him in our spirits because our spirits were dead. But in Christ Jesus, they have been made alive. So we've been made alive together in Christ. We are led by the Spirit of God, declaring the truth of who God is and the truth of what he has done. So let me say that again. I think this means that we worship in our spirits because we have been made alive together in Christ. So what's it mean to worship in spirit and truth? Well, actually, in our spirit, we are worshipping God and we do this in the truth as in in Christ. We are to be led by the Spirit of God, 
declaring the truth of who God is. We're to be worshipping, we're to be singing songs that, that, that are truth, that are scriptural, that are based on scripture. We're to be led by the spirit of God. And we only have the spirit of God by coming to Jesus, by coming to the truth, who gives us this living water to dwell in us, that rivers of life may flow through us. And it's through declaring the truth of who God is, so scripture, Jesus says that all scripture bears witness to him, that he is the truth. But he also says that he bears witness to scripture, which is the truth. And truth of what he has done. So our worship is also to involve our testimony, us telling the stories, the accounts of what Jesus has done in us and through us and giving thanksgiving to him. So our worship must conform and be shaped by scripture. So our songs must be based on scripture. What we bring during worship must be based on scripture. And what we pray must be based on scripture or it's not true worship. Basically, we have to have to be heartfelt in our worship. It has to come from the heart. It has to be spirit-led, biblically shaped, and Christ-glorifying. As Paul says in Philippians 3.3, we are the circumcision. Here, Paul is talking about circumcision of the heart in the New Testament. So he's talking about the heart here. So we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus, putting no confidence in the flesh. No longer is our worship dictated by geography or physical rituals. But since we are the dwelling place of God in Christ Jesus, we can worship him in spirit and in truth. And this is wherever we go and at any time, because God is spirit and he is everywhere. And more than that, he has made us to be his dwelling. The church is the temple of God. And Jesus is the cornerstone. So coming back to the testimony that I shared earlier, we can encounter God in genuine heartfelt worship, being led by his spirit anywhere, anytime. But this is something that we have to give ourselves to. We have to be wholehearted in this. It's why Jesus says that to be his disciple, we have to take up our cross and follow him. If Jesus did not die on the cross, did not really die, then actually we don't really have salvation. But he did really die. And actually, by then, Jesus talking about us carrying our cross, he's saying we need to die to our old selves and now live in him. We are raised to life in Christ Jesus. We have a new birth. We are a new creation. But he's not after 99.9% after of your heart. He's after you. He's after your heart. And this is what God's after in our worship. When he says he seeks worship of the heart, he wants your whole heart to be poured out to him, your whole heart to be glorifying him. This is what God is after. If in this season, at this time, you're struggling to connect with God in worship, Be real with him, draw near to him, be humble before him, but give your heart to him. We see in the Psalms, don't we, all the time, the psalmists, they don't just talk about the high places, they talk about also the low places. But in that, they are pouring out their heart to God. Even that is worship to God, 
because they're recognizing that God is at work, that God will be their cover, that he will be their shield, that he will be their strength, that he is their rock. Jesus is our all. And he needs to be our all in worship. No wonder why Paul said, I count all things as loss compared to the surpassing glory of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Let, let, let us pray. Oh, Jesus, I thank you that you have come, that we may have living water. Well, I thank you that you, we, you have come, that we may worship you anywhere, anytime, that we may come boldly before the throne of grace, that the, the temple, in the temple, the curtain that kept us from your presence, from the holies of holies, has been torn in two, that in Christ Jesus we may enter, that we are cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. I thank you that that true worship comes from the heart. To me, that tells me that it's relational. It's about relationship. And that is what you have done in this new birth. You have brought us into relationship with you. You have made us sons and daughters of the King. I thank you that we are a a holy nation, a royal priesthood, that we may worship you in the holy of holies. And Lord, I pray, help us to grow in our worship of you. Help us in this season, at this time, no matter where we are at, to to give our hearts fully to you, to draw near to you and to receive that promise that you draw near to us. God, bring freedom to us. Lord, I pray for any of us where we we might not fully give ourselves because actually we're worried about how others might perceive us. Lord, I pray break that off. Break that, that lie that that matters away from us. Help us to walk in freedom by your spirit, to worship in freedom by your spirit. That is Paul said in Philippians 3, 3 that we may be led in worship by the Spirit of God, glorifying and magnifying Christ Jesus, our Lord. Thank you that you are with us. God, we honour you. Come have your way. We pray. Amen.